when we talk about suffering, a couple of the words that we use to describe suffering is sometimes it's persecution, trials, those hardships that we come against in our lives. And the hardships look very different for a lot of different people. Sometimes the hardships or the trials or the persecution or the suffering, the hard stuff comes sometimes on our own volition, things that we have done. Maybe we've done something wrong. So sometimes hardship comes upon ourselves because of something we've done. But also sometimes hardship and trials comes by what somebody has done to us. And so I want to navigate that just a little bit. Because if there's been a time in your life where there may have been an abuse, there may have been some sort of hurt that has been done to you by someone. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a situation. Maybe there's an emotional hurt from the past. That is genuinely can be described as suffering as we see in the Bible. Sometimes that other aspect of suffering happens is because something that we have willfully done. That means I'm the one that caused the suffering. I'm the one in my actions that caused this trial or hardship to come in my life. We're going to see a story in Acts chapter 16 of a situation where it was just normal life for Paul and Silas, and an action was done to them that caused the trial and the suffering. And as I was thinking through this whole hardship, suffering, trial thing that we go through, James chapter 1 was the very first verse that came to my mind. James 1 verse 2, it simply says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, that you, as you face trials of many kinds. And I'm like, how in the world, when I'm going through suffering, I'm going through persecution, I'm going through these trials, these hardships, how in the world am I going to consider it joy? And this series, this title, this message is Be a Joy. And here's the big idea for the night. The big idea for the night is, dun, 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 there is joy in the suffering. Now, as you read that big idea, you're probably going, no way, Steve. I've been through the hurt. I've been through the heartache. I've had the suffering. How in the world can I have joy in my life? That's just unheard of, Steve. And this is where it gets hard for all of us, honestly. This is where it gets hard. It's because we don't understand this concept. We don't. And I'll, and I'll describe why here in just a few minutes as we get through it. But we don't understand this. And I think God's word is very clear to all of us. Jesus never promises that our lives are going to be uh, trial-free, that our lives and the things that we go and encounter is going to be persecution-free, or even like we're just going to get by all rosy, and if, if I love Jesus, then my life is going to be good. That is not anywhere in Scripture. It does talk about those who obey, those who are godly, God will bless. But he does not say that you're not going to be, uh, have a hard time or go through a hard time. And so when you come to grips with this, because the reality is, Man, we don't have a good day every day. Can I get an amen there? That, I mean, we don't. Like tomorrow may be the best day of your life, but today right now isn't. And so many times in our lives, we consider our situation or the timing of things, that's where we get our joy and that's where we get our satisfaction. Is if things are good and my friends like me today, then God must love me. 
But if tomorrow my friends don't like me, then it must mean that God doesn't like me. And that is not a truth anywhere in Scripture. That is a lie. Because the reality is that God loves you in the bad and the good. And he loves all people, and he loves them all the same. And he's not going to take and move and shift and his character around in such a way that you have to guess who God is and what he feels about you. That's not how he works. That's how we shift and move. We change our perspectives and our changes and our thoughts about who God is in the midst of our trials. I told you this is a really deep topic. This is probably the hardest part because many of us have believed the lie that because I have a bad day, God must not like me. You have convinced yourself, you have listened to that lie. And I'm here to tell you, it's not that way. The character of God and who he is is not conditional. His love for you is unconditional. No matter where you are in life, no matter how good or bad your day is, his love does not change. His thoughts about you never change. You are a child of the king, especially if you're a believer in Christ. And so you got to think through that. And so there's joy in the suffering. I want to dive into the passage, Acts chapter 16, because I think Paul and Silas and what is happening to these guys is really a good teachable lesson for every one of us. I only have two points tonight, so this is going to go quick. You ready? I have till 7.15. i got 15 minutes. Here we go. All right, Acts chapter 16. I'm going to give you a little backstory. So Paul and Silas are doing ministry. We're going to get to verse... Um, uh, we're going to get to verse 16 here in just a second. But Paul and Silas are doing ministry, and they're just going around telling people about Jesus. But there's one demon-possessed girl who just doesn't like it. And she is kind of this, kind of she stirs it up. She starts pointing a finger at Paul and Silas and starts calling them out for what they're doing. And Paul and Silas, like, kind of try to push it off. Like, okay, go, it's okay. You know, we're going to keep doing ministry. We're going to keep doing, spreading the gospel. We'll keep talking. And he keep, but this girl keeps coming at him, keeps coming at him and making false accusations about who they are. And so um, apparently she was used by some other people to gain money because she had this uh, ability to see things and to talk about things and to see all the things. But anyway, and so uh, these men were making money off of her to be able to you know, predict the future and those kind of things. And so she calls out Paul and Silas and she keeps calling out. And keeps calling out. Paul and Silas are done with it. Paul turns around and heals her of this demon possession right here. Heals her, and she comes clean of mind. But the two guys, the men that were making money off of her, start throwing false accusations at Paul and Silas. What ends up happening is they get so mad, and they stir up the crowd so bad, that they take Paul and Silas before the, the leaders of the, of the area there, and they throw him, both of them, into jail. You talk about a bad day. You talk about a day where they're doing the right thing, right? They're trying to share the gospel. They're trying to do ministry, but there's something that happens, and it's an accusation that's pointed at them. Something is done to them. And so they find themselves in jail. And here it is in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, and it says this, about midnight. Everybody say midnight. midnight. I'm sorry, this is verse 25. I'm sorry, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. If you found yourself in jail at midnight 
Would you be singing praise songs? No. No. Let's just be, I'll be crying. That's right. I'll be crying. How in the world can Paul and Silas, how in the world can they have joy in this moment? It's crazy to me. As I studied this passage, I started thinking about this passage deeply. You talk about perspective, a unique perspective about the trials that these guys were going through. They're falsely accused. They're thrown into jail. And here it is at midnight, they are singing praise to God. Talk about perspective in the middle of our trials. You know what? When we are in the middle of trials, the only thing we're thinking about is our trials. We're not thinking about God. We may throw false accusations at God, but we're definitely not thinking about God. And here is where I think it's hard for us. This is where I think it's hard. It's because we get so laser-focused, tunneled vision on our trials and our hurts and our hang-ups that we fail to see the joy, and that is the eyes of God that are looking down on us. Let's keep reading. Uh, verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. I wonder who caused that one. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. That's pretty cool. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword as was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. I've, I started to think about that passage. I was like, why, why would he want to do that? Like, why, why would he... If he didn't open the doors, right, the earthquake did. God opened the doors and released Paul and Silas. Like, that's happening in that moment. Why would the jailer have to try to kill himself because of that? Because here and back in those days, as a jailer, you took full responsibility for the captives that were in jail. Like, full responsibility. And anything happened to them, you were executed. If they got out of jail... You, that was the rule of law. So any jailer, any jailer in those days, that is the code that they kind of swore to in those days. And so for this to happen, this jailer, earthquake, doors open, right after midnight, shake, 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 doors bust wide open. Captives are leaving. Jailer automatically thinks, I'm done. I'm done. Why, why should I even submit myself to the authorities anymore? Because they're going to kill me. Guess what? I'm just going to do it myself. You talk about a guy who has high responsibility, like high character in that moment. He swore an oath and he was going to keep to it. And he starts to, pulls the sword, and this is what I love right here. Um, verse 28, but Paul called out in a loud voice. <laughs> why? Why a loud voice? So he can hear him, but also, stop! <laughs> Don't do it! We're still here. We haven't left. We're still here. He says, Don't harm yourself because all of us are here. None of the captives left. None of them. That's crazy to me. They had an open door to just bolt, but they didn't. And it was an open door by God. It wasn't anything that they did. It's not like they jimmied the lock and left, but like it just opened up and they, they stayed. Then the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, 
you and your household. Trials and uh, sufferings are a part of life. But in the midst of trials, how can you consider it pure joy? In the mid, I like this because it was at midnight, y'all. It was dark. And don't you think that in the trials and the tribulations that you go through, don't you feel like those are dark times? This is yes. Like, that's a dark day. Like, it doesn't, and I love this, the, the picture here of these guys that are in the darkness of night, how they are singing praises to God in the middle of the dark. In the middle of their trial, in the middle of their suffering, in the middle of this hardship they're in, their eyes are fixed on Jesus. They're looking to him for hope. They're looking to him to get them through this trial. They're not looking at the jail cell. They're not looking at the bars in front of them. Their eyes are on the Lord. Charles Spurgeon said this. Uh, this is a great quote. I think it's up on the screen. It is easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight, but a skillful stagger is key who can sing when there is not a ray of light to read by. Songs in the night come only from God. They are not in the power of men. That's a cool quote. How can we, in the middle of our trials, in the middle of our suffering, in the middle of the dark, how can we sing praises to the Lord? Some of you are just still scratching your head. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. And here's the reason why I think you don't get it. And this is just being blunt honest. Because you have not fully surrendered your whole life to the Lord. There's a couple parts of your life you don't want to surrender. You don't. And so you're getting to that spot. And maybe you're hearing the truth of God's word tonight. Paul and Silas were 100 committed to, to the Lord and to the ministry at which they were called to. It started in the church of Antioch. We read about that a couple of weeks ago. Grace talked about that. But then here we are when the trials come and the hardships come and all those things are moving against them and even against you. If you're fully committed to the Lord, if you're all in for Jesus, then it's going to be much easier to sing at midnight. Much easier to sing at midnight. But if you're half-heartedly about this whole Jesus thing, you haven't fully given it all, the trials when they come, they will distract you from that new relationship you have with Christ. They will distract you from a half-hearted kind of relationship with Christ. And in my opinion, the evil one wins. Because you're more focused on the trials, you're not focused on Jesus. So I have two points. You ready? Here's the first one. And we see that in verse 25. Remembering my joy. Paul and Silas remembered who Christ was. And no matter what they were going through, they were remembering and thinking about Jesus. They were thinking about one, Paul's salvation. They're, how he came. <laughs> Ooh, that's kind of cool. I didn't even think about that. That's amazing. Like he was blinded on the road to Damascus. Like he was blinded. He was, you talk about dark. Paul experienced darkness. And he found the light of Christ. And here in this moment, here it is midnight, darkness. And Paul is leading this jailer into light. That's pretty amazing. But in that moment of suffering, it's really key for us as believers in Christ, especially those who have surrendered their heart and their life to Christ. It's really important for us whenever we're going through that trial, whenever we go through that suffering, we need to keep the right perspective. We need to remember who's in control here. And that trial 
is going to teach you a couple of things. One, that trial is going to teach you about you, but that trial is also going to teach you about who God is. Those are two things to remember when you're going through that trial. The joy that we know is not in our circumstance. The joy that we know in our hearts and our lives is not based upon our status or who we are, like our identity. We talked about that last week. Like That's not where our joy comes from. The joy that we have as a believer in Christ is knowing full well that no matter what happens to me, guess who I get to stand before? I have joy in my life for eternal life. No matter what is happening here, I can always know and full well know that I am loved here and that at the end of my days, however this happens, he is my chief aim. That's where the joy comes from. And if you study the word joy all throughout Scripture, you will see that the confidence, ooh, this is good, the confidence is in Christ. Those who are fully in on Christ, their joy is knowing him and making him known and not the situations and circumstances of my life. That these circumstances point me to him. That's where my joy comes from. You ever thought about how uh, the, annou- the announcement of Jesus' birth by the angels, what did they say? Today we bring good news, great joy. A reminder, even in the birth of Jesus, where does our joy come from? Jesus. Jesus. That is something we have to remember. Y'all, we, <clears throat> we have amnesia sometimes, and we forget because we get so focused on our little trial that we forget that there's a God in heaven who absolutely loves you in the middle of that trial. A long time ago, Shelly and I were talking about how many times we, when we're going through trials of times, we, we kind of find ourselves in the darkness of a closet. Sometimes we just want to go to a dark place and not think about it. Or we don't want to dwell with it. We, don't want to, we just want to run from it. Whatever trial we're going through, we just want to just make it disappear. And so we'll close ourselves in. We'll find ourselves a lonely place or all those kind of things. And here's the image I want you to know. That in the middle of that lonely time that you go to or you run to in the middle of a trial, guess who's sitting next to you? Jesus. He's not outside of the room. He's not outside of the closet. He is sitting right there with you. And the hurt that you experience, guess what? It's a hurt that he's experienced. And if there's anyone who is able to talk about the hurt that we're going through, guess who it should be? Jesus. Y'all, we need to have that. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. We cannot forget that. Y'all, and I know some of you are going through it right now. And you need to hear this word tonight. You need to hear this truth. He is not running from you. He's running to you. And when he gets there, he's going to stay. He's not going to run. He's not afraid of your hurt. He's not afraid of your accusations. And he's sure not afraid of your attitude. If anything... He is sitting right there with you and saying, I got you. Trust me. It hurts. I know you're going through it. But if you would just fix your eyes on me, I'll get you through it. It may not be tomorrow, but guess what? You'll learn something on the other side of this hardship. 
There will be joy in the morning. There will be uh, a provision for you in the days to come. But the journey that you're going through, it has to go through this, this spot such that you learn about who you are and you ultimately learn about who he is and how he can sustain you through it. Are you tracking with me? Joy needs to be remembered in the moments that we're going through hardships. Paul and Silas, guess what they did? At midnight, they remembered and they started singing praise. How in the world can you sing praises in the middle of a hardship? It's really cool. You put these things called, you know, AirPods in there. You kind of put your AirPods in there and you could put on a couple of praise musics. You know, that's a thing. Like you, you do that, like you know, Spotify, Apple, you know, something like that. And you just start, you know, in the middle of your storm that you're going through, your hardship, just, just a little reminder that we need to praise him. That was free. All right. Number two. Number two, and we see this in this story, is not only remembering my joy, but the second thing is that we need to learn how to spread the joy. Now, how in the world can I spread the joy? Because here's the thing. As you experience the joy of Christ in the middle of your suffering, you have a perspective that many people don't have. You have that perspective of saying, you know what? He journeyed with me. He was with me through the trial. And when you see a friend that's going through it, guess what you have to give? wisdom. It's a beautiful thing. You have the experience and you can give them Jesus. Paul and Silas going through it. They didn't leave when the doors left, but they were there for a reason, for a purpose. And I believe that's why this whole experience went down is so that that jailer would get saved. That jailer did not have the joy of Christ in his life. Did not. But yet Paul and Silas in that moment said, you know what? This jailer, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. I was sitting there thinking, why would you not run? I would run, wouldn't you? I would run if the doors fling wide open and I didn't do anything about it. I'd be going, all right. (laughs) I'd step out and walk in. Deuces, (laughs) y'all. I'm going to go get a Dr. Pepper. Right, Micah? Amen. I mean, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. But these guys didn't do that. They had the right perspective. They didn't do that. They stayed. And ultimately, it saved the jailer's life. And they got to give him and spread the joy to him. Y'all, this is so good. I'm going to tell you something. This is so good. I'm going to end with this illustration. How how close are we? I have an easel. Wow. Okay, we're going to do this. Hopefully, this will stay. Some of you have seen this. It's not Mickey Mouse. How many of you have seen this? Say, oh, yeah. Okay. Let me explain it to you. Shh. The beginning of time, God created everything perfect. Everything perfect. It was his design. The garden, Genesis 1. Everything was right. Adam and him, right relationship. Eve created. Naming animals. It was exactly the way the Lord described it and wanted it. Then there was this thing that happened in the garden called sin. And in that moment, sin separated us from God, and it created brokenness. And many of us are in this spot. 
in our brokenness, in our sinful state, this is it. Y'all listen right here. This is it. This is where the joy comes from. In our state of brokenness, we have tried so many things to satisfy us. And it leads many times to addiction. I think I spelled that right. And many times we use different things in our lives to create that. Many times it's alcohol. I'm not even going to try to spell that one. Uh, drugs. Uh, it looks like unhealthy relationships. Relationships are a big thing. Maybe it's even unhealthy, ungodly friendships. All these things we try to bring us joy. We want to do these things to bring us joy in the middle of our brokenness. Is that the gospel? Is that true joy? Is this life right here, a life of brokenness, true joy? Hey, I, here's what I think. I think, too, this is really true. I think there are many believers in the room who still try to do these things to experience joy. You're looking for satisfaction. You're looking for something to satisfy you. You're hoping and believing that there's going to be some thing, some moment, some boy, some girl, some situation that's going to bring you happiness. You think that's the joy that you need. Y'all, it's not. Because in our sinfulness and our brokenness, we will never experience what true, true joy is. And then there's Jesus. And he says, I see you in the middle of your brokenness. I see what's going on here, and I'm going to do something about it so that you can have and ultimately get back to God's design. And in our brokenness, we see the gospel, and the gospel is this. You've heard it before. God absolutely loves you. He loves you. And he knows that in your brokenness, he knows what's going on. And he's done something about it. He knows the sin that's in your life. He knows the separation. He doesn't like it just like you don't. Maybe you don't realize it. Maybe you don't know it. But guess what? He desires for you to have a relationship with him. But he knows that sin is separating you from God. And so he provides a way, and the gospel is this, that he loves you so much that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. There's a certain thing that we need to understand about this. We need to repent of our sin, believe Jesus died on the cross, and to receive him into our hearts and our lives. I want to point out a really amazing passage of Scripture as it relates to this. All of us are trying to find joy. But I believe, and I know this in my own life, and I believe this in so many other people's lives, that the joy is not in here. The joy is here. The joy is in the gospel. The thing that you've been looking for and longing for, it's in the gospel. I want to call your attention to a verse on the screen, or a verse on the wall. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of a faith, for the what? For the joy. The joy. I wanted to underline that on the wall, but I couldn't. I didn't have a ladder. Um, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus was the ultimate example 
of how in the middle of suffering we are to have joy. Every one of you want it. Every one of you. You want it. You desire it in your own heart and your life. And you're trying to satisfy that and seek that joy in all, I'm telling you, all in the wrong places. And I want you to hear the truth of God's word. I want you to see it on the wall. I want you to see that word joy every single time you look at that wall. Because he knew what you were looking for. He knows what you're looking for. And he endured the persecution. He endured the suffering. He endured the trial. He went to all of it, shame. And guess what? He conquered it, left it in the grave, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. All because he absolutely loves you. And he desires to be in a relationship with you. Y'all, that's the gospel right there. That's, that's the gospel. That's what you're looking for. That's the joy you're looking for right there, y'all. Do you see it? Now, here's the big question. If you see it, will you receive it? If you know it, will you step out in faith in the middle of your trial and say, you know what? In the middle of this dark time, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. In the middle of this trial, my friends don't like me today. (laughs) may not be true next week, but they don't like you right now. I'm still going to trust in the Lord. I'm still going to live it out. I don't know what's going on with my mom and dad. They're fighting a lot. I don't know what's going on, but I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. I don't understand what's going on. All these things, all these friends, all these stuff that's going on, I can't really control it. I don't know anything about it. Guess what? I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. That's the joy that Jesus was looking at. He was looking at his father because he knew he was in a right place and he was doing the right thing just for you. Y'all, this is it. This is the gospel. And if we, and I say we, us, you, me, this whole generation, all of us, would come to grips with the reality that my suffering does not, one, determine my identity, my suffering, my trial does not determine my position with God, that my trials and my circumstances that are going through does not determine whether God loves me or not. If I can get to that spot where I settle my heart that no matter what comes at me, bring it on because my eyes are on Jesus. I know who I am. I know who Jesus is, and I'm good with it. Bring on the trials. I'll weather the storm. I'll go through it. It's not that he will take you out of it, but he'll guide you through it. He'll guide you through it. And that is what it means to have joy in your life in the middle of suffering. So the final thought. Is there a final thought? I think there's a final thought. Oh, 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 well, we'll go to the final thought. There we go. How I endure suffering with joy is a blessing to others. Y'all, people are watching how you handle the hardships. They're watching you. And they're watching you closely, especially if you're a believer in Christ. They're watching to see how much do you really love Jesus. And when you endure that suffering, when you endure that um, trial... And people see you fixing your eyes on Jesus, trusting the Lord through all of it, not trusting in your own power, not trusting in someone else, advice or whatever, all those, those things are good. But ultimately, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm fixing my eyes on Him. I'm focused on Him. No matter what I go through, I know with Him I can get through it. If Jesus is with me in this darkness, I know I can get through it. That's where joy comes from, y'all. That's what it means to find joy.